Everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 277 of X Lapsed. And uh, well, it's been a little while since I've said this, but this uh, might just be one of the shorter episodes of this program. Um, really, not a whole heck of a lot to talk about today. Uh, this is a Halloween issue of uh, our flagship title, and it reminds me a little bit of a, of a song that comes on the radio a lot around Halloween time that always. I, I, I'm one of the handful of people who really don't care for this song. A lot of people really love this song, especially around Halloween. I don't like it very much. Uh, it's a Michael Jackson song, and uh, I can't do a Michael Jackson impersonation. I can't sing. I don't have a good voice. I mean, that's perfectly apparent here. But the lyrics, I think the lyrics go something along the lines of, because this is filler, filler night, because, uh, boy... This is a filler issue. We're four issues in, and this is the flagship book, and we're already hitting the filler wall here. Now, before we get into the book here, I'd like to follow up on something I talked about uh, in the last episode, and it's a uh, ocular issue that I've been having here, just an inability to uh, read and uh, see things up close. So I actually made an appointment and popped into the eye doctor yesterday, and I uh, found out that uh, I am getting quite old. So I uh, am getting progressive lenses. So hopefully in about two, two and a half weeks when my glasses arrive, I'll have a much easier time reading these stories. So uh, fingers crossed that it won't be <laughs> quite as difficult or as daunting a task and uh, a, as headache-provoking a task as it's been uh, for the last few months now. So we will uh, hope for the best. I am hoping for an easy transition into progressive lenses. I hear that uh, some people take to them right away. Other people never do. So uh, we will uh, we will burn that bridge when we get to it. But for now, let's hop into today's book here. I'm, I'm trying to vamp because there just isn't anything to say. This is, of course, X-Men Volume 6, Number 4. December 2021 cover date. The story is called Fearless, Chapter 4, Nightmare on 86th Street. Written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Javier Pina. Colors, Eric Arshanaika, letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles, design, Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits, Amaro, Biso, White, Sabolski, cover price $4. This one went on sale October the 13th of 2021. Now, we open with a mostly blank quote page, of course, because, I mean, this is a filler issue, and, uh, I mean, if we got to fill one less page, that's even better. Now, we get two quotes here. First one's from Dr. Voodoo, who's talking about the uh, the big bad for this issue, also known as uh, Marvel's crown prince of filler comics, Nightmare. And then we have a little quote from Magic talking about kicking demons. Okay. Now we open, 
and it's an autumn night in New York. It's a Halloween time, of course. We see the treehouse, and there's a there's a jack-o'-lantern outside of it that's uh, only got one eye like Cyclops. It's I guess that's pretty neat. Uh, Sunfire, he's on monitor duty in a single, very small panel, which is somehow good enough to get him a box on the upcoming roll call page, because this is the only time we're going to see him. We hop over to one of the bedrooms where Cyclops is being haunted by some pretty restless sleep. He's having some nightmares, and they include uh, he and Alex being shoved out of that airplane. Also, giving up baby Nathan many times. You know, all the all the once, right? Um, unless he's including, you know, Kid Cable heading back into the future, or, I don't know, maybe just a recurring dream, I don't know. There's also a Cyclopean skeleton in a pit with a sentinel nearby, um, probably just a generic fear of his, right? Now, next to Scott lays Jean, and she's having a nightmare of her own about killing the asparagus people. Or, as Magic would call them, the broccoli people, because I guess all green vegetables look alike to her. Now, it's worth noting that uh, Jean didn't incinerate the asparagi. That was the Dark Phoenix entity, right? But in fairness, they've wavered on that so many times I can't blame anybody, even, you know, a half dozen editors for not being able to keep that straight, even though they're all cashing checks from this company for doing a job. Anyway, at the end of this, Nightmare shows up. Double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters include Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Sunfire, who already came and went, and uh, Wolverine, Laura, X-23. We rejoin Nightmare, presumably before the scene we just saw in the treehouse, as he terrorizes the people of New York City with bad dreams. Now, you see, usually it would be left to Doctor Strange to deal with this goof, but uh, you might not be aware of this, but... uh, Marvel's putting out about a half dozen books a month emblazoned with the death of Doctor Strange in the branding. So he's kind of busy being dead right now. Back to Scott's dreams. It's, uh, well, it's him apologizing to people. There's a scene from the all-new X-Men era where he apologizes to Jean. There's a scene from the Morrison new X-Men era where he apologizes to Jean. Then there's a scene in the post-Hoxpox era where he apologizes to Xavier and Magneto. Then finally, there's a shot of him dead and in a coffin with a Cyclops was wrong sign hung around his neck. Then, more Jean dreams. And uh, this is a scene from the all-new X-Men era where we see her in, uh, like, those... It's not exactly the Silver Age costume, but it's the, like, the modernized Silver Age costume from the Bendis and Eminem uh, all-new X-Men. You know, where they look reminiscent of the 60s costumes, but they're kind of modern. She's wearing that, (laughs) and she walks past a Quentin Choir and the worst character ever created, Nature Girl. Uh, We then see her in her post-Factor 3 costume, and it's that green one she's been wearing for most of the time during the current era. And she walks past Emma Frost, who makes fun of it. Jean mentions that she made made this costume, and if you're following the essential X-Lapsed, you will know that that's true. I'm not sure exactly why this is a nightmare, I I could only imagine. I don't know. Then, Nightmare visits Laura, who's having a tough time with the recent vault-related blank spot in her memory. Now, she knows she can easily get this all filled in if a psychic hooks her up with Sink, because Sink remembers everything, right? But here's the thing. It's a little, little complicated. She's not sure she wants to fall in love with Sink, and so she's willfully keeping herself in the dark. Now, Nightmare does make a pretty decent joke here. He makes a pretty funny gag about how characters with the Wolverine codename are renowned for their Swiss cheese memories. So, fair play. But then, 
Jean arrives to confront Nightmare, and she slaps him in the face. She then shares with him what she was thinking during that Hellfire Gala X-Men election mind meld debacle, right? It's basically a psychic Care Bear stare. Power of love, power of kindness, power of friendship, yada, yada, yada. She then calls out Nightmare for being like, quote, so many other men. Because lest we forget, men are the absolute worst. Uh, Nightmare is eventually scared into galloping away on his horse, and it feels like we've wasted an entire issue at this point. Our scene shifts, and we get something kind of relevant. We got Ben Urich, who's paying a visit to the grave of Nathan Summers. Now, this is kind of weird, right? Um, well, I mean, he's clearly still trying to follow up on the mutant resurrection hoodoo, right? Which, I don't want to be, you know, pedantic, but, uh... This, of course, willfully ignores the fact that superheroes and supervillains die and come back from the dead pretty much on a weekly basis. But that's, yeah, that's not something we're going to dwell on, as it would make this already flimsy story even more so. But how about we go back to the last time we were at Cable's grave, because this isn't the first time we've been there. You know, Deadpool actually swiped Cable's body shortly after ex- extermination, which, you know, was part of Cable's will. He wanted the body taken out, yada, yada, yada. So are we left to assume here that Cable's grave has just been left undug ever since? I don't know. (laughs) And I also don't know what Yurik is hoping to learn here. From here, we hop to an info page. Dr. Stasis writes a memo to the Orcus staff about something called Project Polyphemus? Polyphemus. I don't know how to say that. Uh, In any event, Polyphemus Polyphemus, uh, was a man-eating cyclops of Greek myth with a single orb-shaped eye in the middle of his forehead. We jump back to comics for our big conclusion, and we rejoin Fei Long. Remember, Fei Long was the guy who was trying to terraform Mars, but then the mutants kind of swept in and did it, you know, before he could. We're reminded that he went, he went through, like, a body augmentation to live, uh, to be able to live on Mars, to be able to survive on Mars. And guess what? He's headed to Mars in a rocket. Now, this is a rocket with a ruby quartz gimmick in it, and uh, we close out with him bathing himself in ruby quartz rays? Huh? I gotta assume this this is how Captain Krakoa comes to be? I, I could be wrong, but it sure feels like that's where we're headed. But that's where we leave it. Next episode, the penultimate insult in X-Men Green. But for now, let's try and think about some stuff to say about this issue. Uh, it's filler. I mean, it's clearly filler. This is, you know, Nightmare is a character who, like I mentioned during the synopsis, he's the crown prince of filler comics here. You could fit him into any comic, uh, have him go against any hero, and it's the same thing, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. You have them face off with their nightmares. It's kind of the gimmick there. If you need a story for a Marvel annual, hey, what's Nightmare up to? <laughs> Let's get him in there. It really doesn't matter. Not a fan of the character so much, and like I said, you know, the whole heroes face their deepest, darkest fears trope is overplayed. I feel like this is something that uh, Claremont would go back to the well for, like, at least once every year or two. And it would only get worse each time. You know, I feel like any time he would pop onto a book, especially during his second go-around... About three or four issues in, we'd get that issue where the team, whatever team was assembled there, would have to face off with, like, their darker counterparts, you know, and they'd have to face their fears, and it's, it's you know, it's just not very good. <laughs> There's only so much you can do with it. I mean, really, how many times do we need to be reminded that Cyclops, you know, is worried about letting people down? 
and how he regrets having to send Nathan into the future, and how it was scary to be chucked out of a plane. I mean, we don't need the reminder quite so often. And Gene burning up the Aspara guy, or, you know, Dark Phoenix burning up the Aspara guy. I mean, that's just... <laughs> Do we get a few months where that's not mentioned nowadays? It feels like that's mentioned quite often. Maybe a little... Maybe a little too often, and with the sort of kind of problematic nature of, like, did she do it, or was it the Dark Phoenix who did it, or both, or neither? Maybe don't bring it up so often. Maybe let that linger, and then when a writer can actually give us, like, a, a definite answer on that, let them handle it, because it's too wibbly-wobbly for me. Now that said, now that said here, Nightmare is still a very powerful character. Right? I mean, he can invade the mind. He can taunt people with their fears. No matter how boring that is as a story, it's powerful, right? So, should Gene have been able to dispatch him so quickly with the, you know, the power of love and the power of caring? It's. Are we to believe that Nightmare's never been faced with this before? I don't know. And I mean, again, not a fan of Nightmare, but I think he's supposed to be a bit more powerful than this. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe Jean can step in as the new Sorcerer Supreme once the whole death of Doctor Strange wraps up. Seems like she'd do a better job than Stephen, right? He, she just did it in a couple of pages. Boom. Nightmare. Gone. I suppose from here we should head to, like, the last three pages of this issue that actually had something to do with the Fearless storyline. I don't know how this... I mean, this is going to be part of the trade, right? It's it's Fearless, Chapter 4, allegedly. I, hmm. Let's get to Ben Urich's expose. Now, uh, what more can I say about it? Uh, I already said this during the synopsis, but it really just doesn't work, does it? I mean, I hate to rattle this cage, but uh, if this wasn't happening in the fantastical Marvel Universe, then sure, explore away. I mean, then there's something to actually... There's something to it, right? But it is happening in the Marvel Universe, and as mentioned, and as has been documented time and time again, high-profile characters die and come back with such regularity that it might actually be more of a story if some of them didn't, right? This is really asking a lot of us and our suspension of uh, disbelief here. It's one of those things that just really, really don't work, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not supposed to think about it quite as hard as I'm thinking about it right now, but it's like you look at the, the universe that where our stories take place in and all of the stuff that happens. The fact that there are literal gods walking on Earth and all you know, people are flying. There are aliens coming every other day. And let's look at Ben Urich here. He's, he's, he's documenting all this stuff, right? He is the top-tier investigative reporter. It's like, okay, okay, well, it's Tuesday, so these aliens showed up. Ah, it's, it's Thursday morning, so these aliens showed up. And, oh, there was a huge explosion, you know, buildings came down, buildings went back up. Oh, Thor is over there. He's a god. How about that? And and everything here is cool. He's writing all, all this stuff down, not asking any questions. It's just accepted. But, hey, Cyclops was dead and now he's not. That's the line in the sand? I, I mean, that is where you draw the line? Like, no, 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 we need to look into this. It just really doesn't work for me. And it really doesn't work in this shared universe. I, yeah, and I mean, I know what they're getting at. We're getting at trying to uncover the secrets of Krakoa, right? Let's play it out. Let's play it out here. Let's say that Ben Urich does. He discovers everything. Everything comes out. The truth hits the airwaves, and everybody finds out that mutants are being resurrected. Then what? Really, I mean, then what? 
Captain America was killed like on the on the steps of the Capitol building, right? And then he came back. I mean, people die and come back constantly. I don't know. It kind of it, it's weird. It's like this multifaceted sort of story because you know, we're reading this and we know that these are secrets and, and it's like we wonder what might happen if these secrets get out because we're invested in the narrative here and protecting the secrets of this nation which that's all well and good but if we take ourselves out of the equation you know the the observers and we just put it into the the actual world that the story's taking place in i'm not sure the reveal would get anyone to bat an eye so it's it's a weird disconnect you know um I don't know, I feel like I'm babbling at this point, so I will just move on to uh, some very, very brief comments on Fei Long. You know, Fei Long, we met him back in uh, Volume 6, Number 1. He is the one who had uh, Glory, you know, swiped out from under him when the mutants decided to terraform Mars. And he's a little bit irked. Now, this is a good story. This is the, the probably the only redeeming part of the issue, in my opinion, but it could have very easily been put in the previous issue if we maybe took out a mostly blank quote page, maybe an info page. We could have we could have shoved this into issue three, which is to say, like, the only worthwhile part of this entire issue was so small and so slight that it could have been fit into another issue of this book as an afterthought, because it feels like it's an afterthought here, too. So what else? What else? Uh, the art. The art. Uh, fill-in comic? Fill-in artist. And the art was quite good. Yeah, it was quite good. I have zero complaints about the way this book looked. It was a, a very pretty book to look at. And honestly, I mean, I can't even hold this issue against uh, our writer, you know. Um, we're very much in the water-treading uh, pattern right now. I guess, I guess that's the kind of thing that happens when you launch a flagship book, and then, like, a couple weeks later, the lead writer <laughs> in the line decides, ah, ah, screw it, I'm done. So you have to wait until their story's done before you can actually hit the ground running. And unfortunately, we're paying for the privilege of following the water treading. That's certainly not an X-Men problem. It's not a Marvel problem. It's a, it's a comics problem. It's just a current year comics problem, the way things go. And sometimes we seasoned comics enthusiasts uh, feel quite foolish for expecting anything more. But I think that's about all I have to say about this issue. Um, no mailbag today, so we'll hop right into shoutouts here, thanking the folks on social media who uh, thought enough of my post to click one of the little interactability buttons on it and uh, help to spread the word and raise the profile of the program. Over on Twitter, I want to thank Walt Neeland, Professor Allen, Andrew in Belfast, Joe Crawford, Ed Moore, Dave Schultz, Billy D, Jeremiah, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Pat Sampson, Wayne Burroughs, and Jason Colby. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Pat Sampson, Evan Bevins, Jeremiah, Billy D, Walt Neeland, and Jean-Paul Thibodeau-Scott. I also want to thank the patrons at patreon.com slash xlapsed, Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Neeland, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, Mark Jagger, Herman, and Andrew in Belfast. I cannot adequately thank you all enough. You are all the greatest. I think that is where we're going to leave it for today. If uh, anybody out there would like to get a hold of me, you could do so several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. 
For blog posts and show notes, you can head to Chris's on InfiniteEarths.com. You can join our Facebook group, 90s X-Men. And, of course, the audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. you find that anywhere you find your favorite and least favorite podcasts. And finally, for some exclusive content and some behind-the-scenes yada yada yadas, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash xlapsed. But that's about all I got in me today. I'd like to thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Different